Al-Bashir, your source of Islamic literature, presents Al-Akhirah, the afterlife, narrated by Imam Anwar Al-Awlaqi. This series of lectures will, inshallah, cover all the stages that the human soul will journey through at the time of death. Some of the topics covered will include death, the events of the grave, the day of judgment, paradise and hell, the minor signs of the day of judgment, and the major signs of the Day of Judgment. We, the human race, living on this earth, are under the perception that we belong here. And this is our residence and home. We don't know or we don't want to know the fact that we are on a train. And the train is going through stations to another final destination and that this world is only one of these stops in one of these stations but we do not belong here we have a ticket that has three slips we live in the womb for nine months and then when we come out one slip is torn off of the ticket and then we live in dunya for a while in this station and when we're dying the second slip from the ticket is torn out and then we have one slip left and that will be torn out either in hellfire or in jannah and that is the final destination we do not belong here we are traveling and that's why rasulullah said kun fi dunya be in this world as if you are a traveler. And Rasulullah says the example or the analogy of me in this dunya is like somebody who was traveling in the desert and then saw a tree. So he took some shade under this tree and then took some rest and then continued with his journey. That is dunya. We spend a few moments under this tree and then we keep on moving. Can you stop time? Time is revolving and it's eroding of our existence. Time, the movement of time, is an erosion of our existence in this dunya. It is ripping away and tearing apart from our own existence with every second that passes by. It is taking part of us. We do not belong here and we need to believe in the fact that we do not belong here. And we need to prepare for death. That is the topic of this series that we're starting with, with the will of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Al-Akhirah. The journey towards the hereafter. Al-Akhirah. Why do we talk about Al-Akhirah? We have to have an intention, we have to have objectives for everything that we do. So what are the objectives of talking about Al-Akhirah? Number one, it is part of Iman. It is a pillar of faith. Part of al-Iman is an tu'mina bil-yawm al-akhir. That is a pillar of our Iman, to believe in the hereafter. Second reason, why do we have all of these problems around us? Why do we have a Muslim who drinks, and a Muslim who commits zina, and a Muslim who deals with riba, and a Muslim who lies? Why? What are we missing? Listen carefully, very carefully.
to this saying of Sayyidatina Aisha radiallahu anha. Sayyida Aisha subhanallah in this short sentence is giving us a program of individual and social change in one sentence. If we would apply, we would see immense and huge change in our lives. Sayyida Aisha says, لو أن أول ما نزل من القرآن لا تشرب الخمر لقالوا لا والله لا نترك الخمر أبدا ولو أن أول ما نزل من القرآن لا تزنوا لقالوا لا والله لا نترك الزنا أبدا ولكن كان أول ما نزل من القرآن سور المفصل فيها ذكر الجنة والنار حتى إذا ثابت القلوب إلى ربها نزل الحلال والحرام سيدتنا عائشة رضي الله عنها said if the first thing revealed in Quran was do not drink the people would have said we are never going to stop drinking and if the first thing that was revealed in Quran was telling the people do not commit fornication and adultery the people would have said we're never going to stop committing fornication and adultery. But the first things that were revealed in Quran were the Surah of Al-Mufassal which talk about and mention hellfire and paradise. Until the hearts were attached to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then the orders of halal and haram came down. If you notice in the period of Mecca, there wasn't too much law given. Most of the laws of Islam and Shara'ah were revealed in Medina. But in Mecca it was a preparation to receive the law. It was preparation to fill the tank with Iman. And that is by mentioning Jannah and Nar, mentioning Al-Akhirah, talking about Al-Ghayb, the unseen. Until the hearts were attached to Allah. Until all of these veils of darkness are lifted from in front of our eyes, then the orders of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala came down, al-halal al-haram. You know, we're not suffering from a problem of ignorance only. That's not the only problem, even though it is a problem. But it's not the only problem. Because everyone knows that khamr is haram. Everyone knows that alcohol is haram. Why do some people drink it? Everyone knows that interest, riba is haram. Why do people deal with interest? Everyone knows the importance of salat al-jama'ah and fasting and salah. How come some people don't do it? Everyone knows the importance of fulfilling the pillar of hajj. Anybody, the children know the five pillars of Islam and know that one of them is as al-hajj. How come people are not doing hajj? It's not only a problem of ignorance. A major problem is insufficient iman the heart is rough like a rock the hearts are not soft and what will soften these tough and harsh and rough hearts is al-akhirah talking about al-ghayb the unseen because rasulullah says لو تعلمون ما أعلم لضحكتم قليلا ولا بكيتم كثيرا if you know what I know you would cry a lot and you would laugh a little. If we know the reality of Al-Akhirah, like one of the, it's mentioned about uh, Ali bin Abi Talib that he said, 
It wouldn't make a difference if I see Jannah in front of me, I wouldn't love it more. And even if I see hellfire in front of me, I wouldn't fear it more. Ali ibn Abi Talib, what he's saying is that he has absorbed the meaning of Jannah and Nar so much that even if he sees it, it won't make a difference. He's living in dunya as if he's seeing Jannah in front of him and hellfire in front of him. That is the iman when you reach to that level. Let's go back to this issue of social change and individual change. In the U.S., to give you an example, in 1930, the U.S. Congress decided that they should ban alcohol. Subhanallah, it is the fitrah of the insan, whether you're Muslim or non-Muslim, to know that this is, this is harmful. Everybody knows that alcohol is not good. So the U.S. Congress here in the United States, they decided that they're going to ban the consumption of alcohol, the prohibition. And they passed the law. And they tried to enforce the law using law enforcement. During that process, about half a million people were thrown in jail. Millions and millions of dollars were spent to enforce the law. Thousands of people were killed in enforcing the law. And the consumption of alcohol did not change. People were bootlegging in their own houses and manufacturing alcohol in their own houses. And because the process of making khamr, alcohol, is so unhygienic and dirty, diseases were spreading. And after four years of misery, the United States decided we can't go ahead with this and we have to stop it. After four years, they lifted the ban and told the people, do whatever you want. It didn't work. This is the mighty United States. It could not enforce a law banning alcohol. It couldn't. The most powerful nation on earth couldn't do it. Let's go 1400 years earlier. Jibreel alayhi salam came to Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam revealing the ayah saying that alcohol and khamr and maser and all other things are rids min amal shaytan. These are acts of evil, acts of shaytan. Fajtanibuh. Stay away from it. The ayah of Quran came down to Muhammad ﷺ banning the consumption of alcohol. Rasulullah ﷺ without any police or army or national guard conveyed the ayah, recited the ayah, tilawa, to the sahaba who were with him. And the sahaba went out carrying the news in the streets of Medina announcing that alcohol, khamr, is now illegal. Anas ibn Malik said, I was serving some of the Sahaba alcohol. And we heard the announcement in the street that alcohol is haram. He said, I threw the jug from my hand. And some of the Sahaba had the cup in their hands, they threw it. And some of them already had alcohol in their mouths, they spit it out. And some of them went as far as inducing vomit, to vomit whatever is in their stomachs. And it is said, it was described that the streets of Medina were flowing with khamr, were flowing with alcohol. Immediate obedience, immediate, without any police, without U.S. Congress, without National Guard, without law enforcement, without spending millions of dollars, without throwing any single person in jail, the law was immediately followed. Why? How come it worked in Medina and it didn't work in the United States? Difference of Iman, Taqwa, Wara. 
Because the Sahaba radiallahu were prepared for that. They were prepared to receive the orders of halal al-haram. We need to prepare ourselves to receive those orders by talking about al-akhirah. So this slip in our ticket that we will discuss the outline of the elements in it We'll start with Al-Qiyamah Al-Sughra, the minor day of judgment, which includes, number one, death. Number two, Al-Qabr, the grave. Number three, we'll talk about Al-Ruh, the soul. Number four, we'll talk about Ashrat Al-Sa'ah, the signs of the day of judgment, which are minor and major. And then, the next section is Al-Qiyamah Al-Kubra, day of judgment which includes, number one, al-ba'ath wa nushur resurrection. Number two, ahwal al-qiyamah, the horrors of the day of judgment. Number three, al-hisab wa al-jaza' accountability and recompensing. And finally, our final destination, which is al-jannah or al-nar, hellfire or paradise. So this is the outline of our trip towards al-akhirah, this journey that every one of us is taking. All of us are going to that direction. So we start seeking assistance from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Nasta'inu billahi azza wa jal. Al-Qiyamah al-Sughra. The minor day of judgment. What is it? And where does it start? Al-Mawt. Death. That is the minor day of judgment. Kana rijalun min al-A'rab. يأتون النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم فيسألونه عن الساعة فكان ينظر إلى أصغرهم فيقول إن يعش هذا لا يدركه الهرم حتى تقوم عليكم ساعتكم البخاري narrates that some of the Bedouins would come to Rasulullah صلى الله عليه وسلم and ask him about the hour الساعة الساعة is the hour the day of judgment so they would come and ask Rasulullah صلى الله عليه وسلم when is the hour so Rasulullah would point and look at the youngest among them. And he would say, if this, if he would live, then by the time he reaches to old age, your day of judgment would have already started. By the time he grows old, if Allah would give him a long life, by the time he grows old, the day of judgment of all of you would have already started. Because death is the beginning of the Day of Judgment. It's called the minor Day of Judgment. Because when a person is dead, that's it. He is counted on the other side. So that, that is called Al-Qiyamah the minor Day of Judgment. Death, there is no way around, around it. Everyone will die. Al-Mawt, Hatmul Lazim. Everyone will die. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, كُلُّ شَيْءٍ هَالِكٌ إِلَّا وَجْهَهِ لَهُ الْحُكْمُ وَإِلَيْهِ تُرْجَعُونَ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, everything will perish, save his face. His is the decision, and to him you shall be returned. Everyone will perish, except Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. كُلُّ مَنْ عَلَيْهَا فَانْ وَيَبْقَى وَجْهُ رَبِّكَ ذُو الْجَلَالِ وَالْإِكْرَامِ Everyone on it will die and only the face of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will remain. 
And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, كُلُّ نَفْسٍ ذَائِقَةُ الْمَوْتِ Every soul shall taste death. You will taste it no matter what. If anyone would be, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam told her, لَقَدْ سَأَلْتِ اللَّهَ لِآجَالٍ مَضْرُوبَةٍ وَأَيَّامٍ مَعْدُودَةٍ وَأَرْزَاقٍ مَقْسُومَةٍ لَنْ يُعَجِّلَ اللَّهُ شَيْءٍ قَبْلَ أَجَلِهِ وَلَنْ يُؤَخِّرَ اللَّهُ شَيْءًا بَعْدَ أَجَلِهِ وَلَوْ كُنْتِ سَأَلْتِ اللَّهَ أَنْ يُعِيذَكِ مِنْ عَذَابِ النَّارِ وَمِنْ عَذَابِ الْقَبْرِ لَكَانَ خَيْرًا وَأَفْضَلٌ Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said You are supplicating towards Allah in regards to fixed terms and counted days and ordained provisions that are already divided. Again, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa told her you are supplicating to Allah about terms, lives that are already fixed, and days that are already counted, and provisions that are already ordained and divided. If you would have asked Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to save you from hellfire and to save you from the punishment of the grave, that would have been better for you. You're asking Allah to give me and your father and your brother longer life, that is already determined, it will not change. It, is, it will not change and it comes unannounced. And it will happen wherever Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala decided. I'll give you actual stories. And this story, it is mentioned that it happened in Riyadh. It is said that there was a construction worker working on the seventh floor. This construction worker fell down. There were no safety measures. He landed right on the pavement. From the seventh floor, he fell down on solid concrete. The passerbys thought that he is dead, so they jumped to see what happened to this man. To their amazement, he stood up. This man fell from the seventh floor, and he landed on the pavement, on concrete, on the sidewalk actually. He landed on the sidewalk. And he jumped up, happy that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala did not take away his life. Everybody around him was amazed. He was so surprised and happy that he lived, he said, I'm going to invite you for some drinks. So he crossed the road to go to the grocery and buy some drinks. He was crossing to the other side of the street, and he was disoriented. A car rolled over him and killed him. He landed from the seventh floor on the pavement and did not die. Why? Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala did not want him to die there. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has appointed for him the specific spot and specific moment of the day, the exact second in which his soul will be taken. And the only reason he fell down from that building is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants to bring him to the place of death. So he brought him down from the building to go and meet his death. Now this man, when he fell down, when he stood up, he thought that he was given a long life. He didn't have on his mind, it was the last thought, that he would die after a few moments. He, because the way he would see it is, if I was saved from this death, I must have a long life ahead of me. He didn't know that he's, that death, the angel of death, is waiting for him in the middle of the road. 
he had an appointment with the angel of death. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala brought him down from the building to go to his appointment. Another example is in the earthquake that happened in Egypt a few years ago. And this is something that was reported in the mass media. We all must have heard about it. About this man who survived for a very long period of time. They thought that nobody could be saved from the rubble. And to their amazement, they found that there was a man living. Even though all of the means of dying existed. But he didn't die. It wasn't time for him to die yet. In fact, he had two women relatives with him, his mother and his sister, or his mother and his wife. They both died because it's unbearable situation. So the two other people who were with him died. But he did not because it wasn't time for him to die. Death comes unannounced, suddenly. We think that we have time to prepare for it. But sometimes it comes so suddenly you wouldn't imagine how fast it could happen. And the example of that is the two airlines that crashed over India. One of them was the Saudi airline and the other one I think was, I think it was Ukrainian. This was a head-on collision. Imagine two airplanes traveling speeds over 800 miles per hour. A head-on collision means that they hit each other with a total speed, the combined speed of about 1,600 miles per hour. I mean, look on the freeway when you have an accident, 60 miles per hour, how fast a person could die. These two airplanes hit, collided head-on with a combined speed of about 1,600 miles per hour. This death is in a split second. I mean, there could be someone in that plane who was lifting up a bite of food, but he died before he could put it in his mouth. He was eating to live. There could have been two people, two passengers, speaking with each other, and one of them before he even completes the word, before the word even comes out of his mouth, he's dead. And we need to talk about death a lot because Rasulullah says, min Frequently remember the destroyer of pleasures. Rasulullah described death as the destroyer of pleasures. Death, when you think about death, and you think about the reality of death, al-haqiqah, al-mawtu haqq, Rasulullah says, Al-mawtu haqq, death is true, it's reality. Al-Hasan al-Basri says, Ma ra'aytu yaqeenan la shakka fih, ashbaha bi shakkin la yaqeena fihi min al-mawt. Al-Hasan al-Basri says, I have never seen anything that is certain, with no doubt in it, but people deal with it as if it is doubt, with no certainty like death. We're all certain about death. Muslim or non-Muslim? Did you ever see somebody who doesn't believe in death? But the way we're dealing with it, according to Al-Hasan al-Basri, it is as if it is something doubtful. Look at the way we are preparing for rizq, which is doubtful. We never know how much rizq we're going to make tomorrow. Nevertheless, we do a lot for it, and we plan a lot for it. But death, which is absolute certainty, every one of us knows that he's going to die. How much are we preparing for it? It's amazing. People are not doing anything for the preparation of death. And when they do prepare for death, 
you find that they're preparing for the aspects of death that are in this side of the equation in dunya, not on the other side. So they prepare for the funeral, they prepare for the cemetery, they prepare for the worldly arrangements, but no preparation is done for what will happen on the other side of death. They go through elaborate preparations for the ceremony and the memorial and the everything relating to the cemetery, the funeral and the invitation cards and the flowers. What about what will happen on the other side? SubhanAllah, amazing. Isaac Asimov, on an interview with him, a few months before he died, he was asked the question, what do you think will happen to you after you die? This is one of the most prominent science fiction writers that the world has seen. He said nothing. Nothing. Nothing will happen to me after I die. I will turn into dirt. His knowledge and the books that he wrote and all of that intelligence and all of that fame and wealth doesn't make him any different from the most ignorant and illiterate non-believer in Mecca 1400 years ago, Munkirin of Al-Ba'ath, the ones who rejected resurrection. His knowledge did him nothing, didn't move him one notch up in intelligence. Because no matter how intelligent we think such a person is, the intelligence level is zero, because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says about the non-believers on the Day of Judgment when they see the reality, If we had any understanding, if we had any intelligence, or we had any understanding, we wouldn't have been in hellfire. If our mind brought us here, then we are ignorant, we know nothing. We have no intelligence and no mind whatsoever if our minds are going to end up with us being in hellfire. What mind is that? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has told us why he has given us the mind. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says we have given you the sights and the ears and the minds. Why? So that you may be grateful to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That is why we're giving these tools. We're given the eyes and the ears to collect the information and then we're giving the mind to process it. We have sources of input. And then we have the processor of that information that we receive. The sight and the ears are the most important sources for gathering information. And the mind processes it for us. And if we would use these three together, it would lead us to Iman. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that He has given us these tools to reach to the level of Iman. Shukr. Back again to what Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was saying. Hadimul ladhat. The destroyer of pleasures. When we talk about death and we realize the reality of death, this will take away the veils of ghafla, unawareness. These veils will be lifted up and we will see the truth. And we would lose any appetite for any pleasure that the world has to offer. This attachment that we have to dunya is because we are veiled. We cannot see the truth. And that is why we need to talk about death and to talk about Al-Akhirah a lot. To keep on this awareness in our minds. There is a, a period before death that is named Al-Ihtidhar. Al-Ihtidhar is like preparation for death. Al-Ihtidhar. In this stage, 
the angels descend. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَيُرْسِلُ عَلَيْكُمْ حَفَظَةً حَتَّى إِذَا جَاءَ أَحَدَكُمُ الْمَوْتُ تَوَفَّتْهُ رُسُلُنَا وَهُمْ لَا يُفَرِّطُونَ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Until when death approaches one of you, our messengers take his soul and they never neglect their duty. Who are the messengers? The angels. In this stage, Angels descend. And the person who is going through al-ihtadar is able to see them. Rasulullah says in the hadith, إِنَّ الْعَبْدَ الْمُؤْمِنِ إِذَا كَانَ فِي انْقِطَاعٍ مِّنَ الدُّنْيَا وَإِطْبَالٍ عَلَى الْآخِرَةِ If the believing servant is leaving this world and moving into al-akhirah, so he's in that stage in between. There is an, uh, uh, an area in between, a stage in which you are go through that interface to change from dunya to akhirah. When a person is in that stage, Rasulullah says, نَزَلَ إِلَيْهِ مَلَائِكَةٌ مِّنَ السَّمَاءِ Angels will descend from the heavens. بِيضُ الْوُجُوهِ كَأَنَّ وُجُوهَهُمُ الشَّمْسِ White, bright faces like the sun. مَعَهُمْ كَفَنٌ مِّنْ أَكْفَانِ الْجَنَّةِ وَحَنُوطٌ مِّنْ حَنُوطِ الْجَنَّةِ they have with them a coffin from paradise and incense from paradise. حَتَّى يَجْلِسُوا مِنْهُ مَدَّ بَصَرِهِ So he can see them. ثُمَّ يَجِيءُ مَلَكِ الْمَوْتِ And then the angel of death will descend. حَتَّى يَجْلِسَ عِنْدَ رَأْسِهِ And then he will sit next to his face or his head. He will sit to his side. فَيَقُولُ أَيُّهَا النَّفْسِ الطَّيِّبَةِ أُخْرُجِي إِلَى مَغْفِرَةٍ مِّنَ اللَّهِ وَرِضْوَانِ He says, Oh you pure soul, come out to the forgiveness of Allah and His pleasure. The angel of death softly will call the soul to come out and will promise the soul that you're going to the forgiveness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and His pleasure. So Rasulullah says, this soul, فَتَخْرُجْ تَسِيلُ كَمَا تَسِيلُ الْقَطْرَةِ مِنْ فِيِّ السِّقَاءِ This soul will come out so easily, it's like a drop of water falling from a jug. Smooth. The soul will come out so smooth, it's like a drop of water rolling down. For the evil doer, وَإِنَّ الْعَبْدَ الْكَافِرِ إِذَا كَانَ فِي انْقِطَاعٍ مِّنَ الدُّنْيَا وَإِقْبَالٍ مِّنَ الْآخِرَةِ and the non-believer, the kafir, if he is leaving dunya and approaching akhirah, نَزَلَ إِلَيْهِ مَلَائِكَةٌ سُودُ الْوُجُوهِ مَعَهُمْ الْمِسُوحِ فَيَجْلِسُونَ مِنْهُمْ مَدَّ الْبَصَرِ Then dark angels will come down and they're carrying with them coffins that are made from harsh material. It could be from hellfire. And then the angel of death will come down and sit next to him. And say, أَيَّتُهَا النَّفْسُ الْخَبِيثَةِ أُخْرُجِي إِلَى سَخَطٍ مِّنَ اللَّهِ وَغَضَبٍ He would say, Oh you evil soul, come out to the anger of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and His wrath. It is telling this soul you're coming out. And you have to come out right now. But you are going to the anger of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the wrath of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is waiting for you. 
So Rasulullah says, when the angel of death will make that announcement, this soul would disperse in the body. The soul is running around in the body, doesn't want to leave. فَتَفَرَّقَ فِي It disperses in his body. فَيَنْتَزِعُهَا كَمَا يُنْتَزَعَ السُّفُودِ مِنَ الصُّوفِ الْمَبْلُولِ Rasulullah says, then the angel of death will grab the soul and pull it out. Like a branch with many thorns and branches pulled out of a ball of wet wool. Imagine you have a branch of thorns and wrapped around it is wet wool and you're trying to put the, pull that branch out of the wool. What will happen? It will tear the wool apart. So Rasulullah says this soul, when it's being pulled out, it would be tearing the muscles and the nerves of this person. It would be tearing it out because this soul doesn't want to leave. Suffering and pain. This happens to the evil soul. During that stage, even for the believer, there could be some anxiety. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala provides comfort to that soul. Al-Bishara lil-Mu'mineen. Allah will give them the glad news. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, إِنَّ الَّذِينَ قَالُوا رَبُّنَا اللَّهُ ثُمَّ اسْتَقَامُوا تَتَنَزَّلُ عَلَيْهِمْ تَتَنَزَّلُ عَلَيْهِمُ الْمَلَائِكَةُ أَلَّا تَخَافُوا أَلَّا تَخَافُوا وَلَا تَحْزَنُوا وَأَبْشِرُوا بِالْجَنَّةِ وَأَبْشِرُوا بِالْجَنَّةِ الَّتِي كُنْتُمْ تُوعَدُونَ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Verily those who say, Our Lord is Allah. And then they stay firm. On them the angels will descend, saying, Fear not, nor grieve, but receive the glad tidings of paradise which you have been promised. This soul of the believer, when it's in the stage of ihtidar, the angels will come down and say, We are Delivering to you the good news of the promise of Allah to you and that is Jannah. To comfort that soul. This is who? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, إِنَّ الَّذِينَ قَالُوا رَبُّنَا اللَّهِ The ones who said that our Lord is Allah. And then what? ثُمَّ استقاموا. And then they stayed firm. So they didn't say Allah is our Lord and then they went right and left. And they went in a crooked path. One day in the masjid, six days outside. One day in a nightclub. And the next day atikaf, one day fasting, the next day drinking alcohol, they stayed firm. They stayed firm on the straight path. These are the ones Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says the angels will come and give them and deliver to them this glad tidings. And for the evildoer, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَلَوْ تَرَى إِذْ يَتَوَفَّ الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا الْمَلَائِكَةُ يَضْرِبُونَ وُجُوهَهُمْ وَأَدْبَارَهُمْ وَذُوقُوا عَذَابَ الْحَرِيقُ ذَلِكَ بِمَا قَدَّمَتْ أَيْدِيكُمْ وَأَنَّ اللَّهَ لَيْسَ بِظَلَّامٍ لِلْعَبِيدِ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, And if you could see, when the angels take away the souls of those who disbelieve, they smite their faces, they hit them, they smite their faces and their backs, saying, Taste the punishment of the blazing fire. This is because of that which your hands had forwarded. And verily Allah is not unjust to his slaves. The angels are hitting them, beating them and telling them, you're going to receive hellfire as a compensation of what you did. 
And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling them, وَمَا رَبُّكَ بِذَ اللَّهِ مِنْ لِلْعَبِيدِ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is not committing injustice to you. This is because of what you have reaped with your own hands. It is your actions that caused you this. Ata' ibn Rabah says, there are three benefits of remembering death. Number one, ta'jil al-tawbah. And number two, al-rida bil-qaleel. And number three, La yushahih ahl dunya fi dunyahum. These are three benefits of remembering death. Number one, ta'jil al-tawbah. You would hasten the repentance. If you're always thinking about death, you will be thinking about akhirah, and you would prepare for it. And you would repent to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The second benefit, al-rida bil-qaleel. Content with the minimum. Whatever Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives you, you'll be happy with it. You'll be satisfied and pleased. Because you know that this is a temporary residence. This is not where you belong. Therefore, you wouldn't give it that much of concern and attention. So whatever Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives you, alhamdulillah. And the third benefit of talking about and remembering death. You will not fight and compete with the people of this world over this world. فَيُرِثُهُ ذَلِكَ طُمَأْنِيرَةً فِي الْقَلْبِ And that would cause you to have tranquility in your heart. Because what makes people anxious and obnoxious is competing over material things. Because this world is small and our desires are large. Nothing can satisfy this desire of the human being. Rasulullah says, if the son of Adam had a valley of gold, he would request another one, and nothing would please the son of Adam, nothing would, would shut him up except dirt. Nothing would satisfy this greed except the dirt. When you go back to the dirt, that would close and terminate all of your desires. So the person who's always thinking about death will not fight over this world. You would realize this is, this is temporary, and it's not worth fighting. And if you look at the wars, not only the fights between individuals, but even wars between nations and states, most of the time it's over wealth, it's over dunya. What are they fighting for? Over oil, over land, over natural resources. That is why wars happen. Therefore, the only justified war, the only justified war is jihad. Because that is the only fighting that is happening for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Everything else is happening for the sake of dunya. They attack jihad in Islam. As if their wars are justified. What are they fighting for? You know, sometimes they would cover it, they would mask it with the goal of human rights. We're fighting for human rights. That's something that I, that I wouldn't buy. I wouldn't believe that there is any war that is happening for the sake of human rights. These wars are not for human rights. These are for the rights of a selected few. These are the rights, not on rights, but these are the privileges of a selected few who are benefiting from the status quo. It's not for the rights of the common me and you. That's not why wars are happening. And you could apply this to every war that happened. We're not in the context of talking about the reason for the war in Kosovo or 
the war in Chechnya or the war in Kuwait. That's not the context for talking about it. But if you analyze it, you would find that these wars are happening. They're masked under the pretext of human rights. But there is an underlying motive. Human beings, if they would think about death, then they would be pleased with what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given them. And they would not compete over this world. Sakarat al-Mawt, the stupor of death. What is the meaning of Sakrat al-Mawt? Sakra is the dizziness and unconsciousness that is caused by pain. That is Sakra. So a person who is in the state of Sakra is going through uh, unconsciousness, stages of unconsciousness and dizziness that is caused by pain. And this happens during death. It is called سكرات الموت الغشي الذي يصيب الإنسان بسبب الألم It is a state of unconsciousness that occurs to the human being due to pain Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says وَجَاءَتْ سَكْرَةُ الْمَوْتِ بِالْحَقِّ ذَلِكَ مَا كُنْتَ مِنْهُ تَحِيدٌ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says and the stupor of death will come in truth this is what you have been avoiding it will come Death is true. And it will arrive. Even though you try to avoid it, it will happen. And it will happen to everyone. It happened to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa had a pot filled with water. And he would put his hand in that water. He would dip his hand in the water and then he would wipe his face. And he would say, La ilaha illallah, inna lilmawti la sakarat. La ilaha illallah. There is agony of death. There is stupor of death. Even Rasulullah sallallahu was feeling it. And he had to put his hand in this water to wipe his face, to cool himself. If Rasulullah sallallahu was feeling that pain, what would me and you feel? What would the non-believer feel? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَلَوْ تَرَىٰ إِذِ الظَّالِمُونَ فِي غَمَرَاتِ الْمَوْتِ وَالْمَلَائِكَةُ بَاسِطُوا أَيْدِيهِمْ أَخْرِجُوا أَخْرِجُوا أَنفُسَكُمْ الْيَوْمَ تُجَزَوْنَ عَذَابَ الْهُونِ بِمَا كُنْتُمْ تَقُولُونَ عَلَى اللَّهِ غَيْرَ الْحَقِّ وَكُنْتُمْ وَكُنْتُمْ عَنْ آيَاتِهِ تَسْتَكْبِرُونَ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, And if you could but see, when the wrongdoers are in the agonies of death, while the angels are stretching forth their hands, saying, Deliver your souls. This day you shall be recompensed with the torment of degradation because of what you used to utter against Allah other than the truth. And you used to reject his ayat with disrespect. Taste. Taste the pain of death. Although everyone goes through this pain. But there is levels. The non-believer goes through the most. But then there is a certain category of people who feel almost no pain. And who are they? Al-Shuhada. Rasulullah says, Al-Shaheed. لا يجد ألم القتل إلا كما يجد أحدكم القرصة. رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم says the shaheed feels the pain of death like one of you would feel a sting of an insect. That's it. Allah subhanahu wa taala has honored the shaheed 
with many honorings. So why would anybody try to run away from this honor? When man leaves this world, he desires to come back. If he's a kafir, he wants to come back to become a Muslim. If he's a asi, a sinner, he wants to come back to repent, a tawbah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, حَتَّى إِذَا جَاءَ أَحَدَهُمُ الْمَوْتُ قَالَ رَبِّ رِجِعُونَ لَعَلِّي أَعْمَلُ صَالِحًا فِيمَا تَرَكْتُ كَلَّا إِنَّهَا كَلِمَةٌ هُوَ قَائِلُهَا وَمِنْ وَرَائِهِمْ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says Until when death comes to one of them He says My Lord send me back So that I may do good deeds In that which I have left behind No It is but a word that he speaks And behind them is a barzakh A barrier Until the day when they will be resurrected They were given a chance in this world and they didn't take advantage of that chance. Now, when it's too late, Rabbir Ji'oon, oh Allah, bring me back. Why? So that I would be righteous, I would do good, I would repent, I would become a Muslim. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Kalla, no. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says about the barzakh, there's a barrier between them and going back. Al-barzakh is a barrier, that's it, it's too late. So we're going through this road, and suddenly a wall will be erected behind us and there's no way back. It's too late. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is giving you the chance now. The door of opportunity is open. And when it's too late, tawbah will not be accepted. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, إِنَّمَا التَّوْبَةُ عَلَى اللَّهِ لِلَّذِينَ يَعْمَلُونَ السُّوءَ بِجَهَالَةٍ ثُمَّ يَتُوبُونَ ثُمَّ يَتُوبُونَ مِنْ قَرِيبٍ فَأُولَئِكَ يَتُوبُ اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِمْ وَكَانَ اللَّهُ عَلِيمًا حَكِيمًا Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Allah accepts only the repentance of those who do evil and ignorance and foolishness. These Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept their tawbah and repent soon afterwards. Soon afterwards. It is they whom Allah will forgive and Allah is ever all-knower, all-wise. Min qareeb. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Yatubuna min qareeb. Close. Ibn Kathir gives the explanation of this word close. Soon. When is it soon enough to make tawbah? Ibn Kathir says, You have the opportunity of, commit, of repenting and making tawbah until the moment of Gargara. That is the limit. Al-Gargara is the limit. Al-Gargara is when the soul is preparing to leave the body. Up until that moment, Tawbah is accepted. And this is Qareeb. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَلَيْسَتِ التَّوْبَةُ لِلَّذِينَ يَعْمَلُونَ السَّيِّئَاتِ حَتَّى حَتَّى إِذَا حَضَرَ أَحَدَهُمُ الْمَوْتُ قَالَ إِنِّي تُبْتُ الْآنَ قَالَ إِنِّي تُبْتُ الْآنَ وَلَا الَّذِينَ يَمُوتُونَ وَهُمْ كُفَّارٌ أُولَئِكَ أَعْتَدْنَا لَهُمْ عَذَابًا أَلِيمًا 
Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, and of no effect is the repentance of those who continue to do evil deeds. Until death faces one of them, he says, now I will repent. Nor those who die while they are disbelievers, for them we have prepared a painful torment. When it's time for death, no toba is accepted. And that is what Fir'aun did. He said, now I believe that there is no God but the God of the children of Israel and I'm a Muslim. Now you're repenting when you were corrupt before. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala did not accept his tawbah because it was too late. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will accept the tawbah as long as it is done before this moment when the soul is leaving the body. And last night we spoke about death, that it comes unannounced. You're not given any ultimatum. You're not given any notice to tell you that you have an appointment with the angel of death at this date, at so-and-so time. It comes unannounced. And there is no way you can change that appointment no matter how busy you try to convince the, day, the angel of death you are. No matter how busy you are, there is no excuse. So this comes unannounced. Therefore, when is the best time to do tawbah? Right now. أَلَمْ يَأْنِ لِلَّذِينَ آمَنُوا أَن تَخْشَعَ قُلُوبُهُمْ لِذِكْرِ اللَّهِ Isn't it time for those who believe that their hearts would soften for the remembrance of Allah? يَأْنِ means الآن, right now, this moment. Don't delay it. Don't procrastinate. And if you read Quran, you would find that the majority of the ayat that speak about the screaming of the people of hellfire, if you would look at the reason why they're screaming, it is because of a taswif, procrastination. Oh Allah, take me back so that I would spend. Oh Allah, take me back so that I would do good. Oh Allah, take me back. It's all because of, they, of, of their procrastination of doing the good deeds. A taswif. Man ahabba liqa'a Allah, ahabba Allahu liqa'a. Wa man kariha liqa'a Allah, Whoever desires and looks forward to meeting Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah would love meeting him. And whoever dislikes meeting Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah will dislike meeting him. When Aisha heard this, Aisha radiallahu anha would question. If she doesn't understand something, she would question. So she told Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and who of us does not dislike death? We dislike death. Does that mean that we dislike meeting Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, كذلك, This is not what I meant. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, Rasulullah sallallahu said, But the believer, when he is about to die, he will be given the news that Allah is pleased with him and that Allah will honor him. So the most beloved thing to him becomes his future, what is laying ahead. 
and he would love to meet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, so Allah would love to meet him. وَإِنَّ الْكَافِرِ إِذَا بُشِّرَ بِعَذَابِ اللَّهِ وَعُقُوبَتِهِ فَلَيْسَ شَيْءٍ أَكْرَهَ إِلَيْهِ مِمَّا أَمَامَهِ فَكَرِهَ لِقَاءَ اللَّهِ فَكَرِهَ اللَّهُ لِقَاءَهِ But the non-believer, when he's about to die, he's given the news that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is angry with him and that Allah will punish him. So the most disliked thing to him becomes what is facing him ahead. So he dislikes meeting Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala dislikes meeting him. And even after the person dies and is carried on the janazah, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says in the hadith narrated by Al-Bukhari, إِذَا وُضِعَتِ الْجَنَازَةِ فَاحْتَمَلَهَا الرِّجَالُ عَلَىٰ نَاقِهِمْ فَإِنْ كَانَتْ صَالِحَةً قَالَتْ قَدِّمُونِي وَإِنْ كَانَتْ غَيْرَ صَالِحَةٍ قَالَتْ لِأَهْلِهَا يَا وَيْلَهَا أَيْنَ تَذَهَبُونَ بِهَا يَسْمَعُ صَوْتَهَا كُلُّ شَيْءٍ إِلَّا الْإِنسَانِ وَلَوْ سَمِعَ الْإِنسَانُ لَصُعِقُ Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says, When the janazah is placed and the men carry it on their shoulders, if it is a righteous person, if it is a righteous person, it would say, Go as fast as you can. This person is in a hurry to go to the grave because he's anticipating the reward of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And Rasulullah says, if it is otherwise an evil person, then this person would say, woe to it, where are you taking me? And Rasulullah says, everyone would hear that sound except the human beings, and if the human beings were able to hear it, they would die due to that shock. That shock would cause them death. If they would hear that sound of the person saying, do not take me there, where are you taking me? Woe to this person, where are you taking me? Rasulullah said if the people were able to hear that, they would die. They would die due to the shock. is death due to a shock. This is the reality that we don't know. This is the reality. Rasulullah says, if it wasn't for the fact that none of you would bury the dead, I would have asked Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to allow you to hear the sounds which are the sounds of the people in the grave, the voice, their voices. Rasulullah said, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, I could ask him to allow you to hear the voices of the punishment of the grave. But I'm afraid if I do so, that none of you would bury their dead. For further information, please contact Al-Bashir Publications and Translations at 1-877-745-3330 or 303-574-0095. Our fax number is 303-373-0943 or visit our website at www. Dot albashir.com That's www.al-basheer.com You can also write to our address at 10515 East 40th Avenue, Suite 108, Denver, Colorado, 80239-3264. Please proceed to the next CD.